Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Guys, uh, I'm so excited to get to speak, and I'm so incredibly grateful uh, when Pastor Tim asked me to speak. It's always surreal because he has boots that are older than me, and so... The fact that he, that he was like, yeah, come talk to the church, you know, that's, that's cool. And if you don't know me, uh, my name is Lucas Vaughn, and I'm the worship leader here at a Christian Ministries. And so that's, the, you know, cat's out of the bag. I'm going to be speaking about worship tonight. Um, and so I think it was just, I thought it was so timely that we just finished a cool series, uh, From Wilderness to the Blessed Land. And the next thing that we talk about is worship. Um, and I think it's cool that I'm speaking after that series because there is no blessed land without worship. There can be no blessing without worship. The blessed land is wherever the Spirit of the Lord is. The blessed land is wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, and worship is where we encounter His Spirit, right? So there can be no blessing without Him. There can be no blessing without Him. The church now more than ever before is in danger of becoming nothing more than religious country clubs rather than houses of worship. The modern church, um, uh, the modern church has gradually moved more and more towards what I call the Chick-fil-A model. The Chick-fil-A model, hear me out, okay? It's uh, excellent customer service. Whatever we can do to get people in, in the door, that's what we'll do, right? And, and I'm super thankful for, for a church that I, I've been in a lot of staff meetings at this at this point, and, he's, and Tim's never said, what can we do to get more people here? He's, he's more concerned of God will bring who he calls, and that will be our church. And more and more, I'm seeing that. And whenever you're catering what you do to getting people here, you're worshiping the congregate instead of the Lord. Does that make sense? Excellent customer service and quality control. Quality control, production over presence. We gotta make sure that our transitions are right on point. We gotta make, oh, that's, that, these songs are out of date. We can't do these songs. And, and the modern church has a tendency to value production over his presence. What is the Lord doing? What songs, the, if the Holy Spirit ordains a song, I don't think there's an expiration date to it. If that makes sense. A.W. Tozer once said, the church that can't worship must be entertained, and men who can't lead a church to worship must provide the entertainment. And I think that it's safe to say that we can see that across America now, right? There's churches that, well, we can't say, we can't speak on that because, we can't speak on tithing because, well, don't want to ruffle any feathers. We can't, we can't speak on sin because, you know, what will the church think? Well, when do we start caring what they think? Love you guys, <laughs> love you guys. But our, our goal should be to minister to the heart of God, right? And so we care more about what he thinks. Purity in worship must be a focus of what we do. If we want to retain purity in worship, then we have to have a firm understanding on what it is. So uh, the first time that the word worship is mentioned in the Bible is actually Genesis 22. Um, it's the story of when Abraham is tested by the Lord. Um, and this is important because there's kind of a precedent of when something is first mentioned in, in the word, it gives context to every other time it's mentioned after that fact, after that point. So 
it gives us uh, a pattern or biblical concept that occurs throughout the rest of the Bible. So in Genesis 22, when we see the word worship, it gives us context for what that word means throughout the rest of Scripture. Uh, in Genesis 22, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, uh, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain, I will show you. So it's, it's important to stop right there to get a little bit more context. Obviously, any father would not want to sacrifice their son. That's probably a safe bet, right? Well, this, this is extra important to Abraham because Isaac isn't just his son. Isaac was the answered prayer. Isaac was God's faithfulness incarnate. Abraham wanted to have a child, and, the, and he prayed to God, and he pleaded with God, give us a child, and he was the gift that God gave him. He was the sign of God's goodness. So in this moment, we can see God asking Abraham, what is more important to you, the things I do for you, or walk in, in obedience? What's more important, the things he does, or having close a friendship and fellowship with the Lord? What's more important? We have to be very careful that we're chasing after his heart and not his hands. Yeah, that's good. We have to be careful that we're not chasing after the things that he gives us, but who he is. He's worthy because of what he's already done. Even if our prayers aren't answered, he's still worthy. Even if the product, he's still worthy because of the sacrifice that's already been made. And, and if I'm gonna be really real, that's why people get burned out from serving is because they take their eyes off of his face and put them onto their hands. How much I serve? Well, I get scheduled every week. You won't get burnt out if you remain connected to his face. If his face is what, and this is speaking from a guy that serves every time the doors are open. And that's not a pat on my back. I don't know what else to do with my time if I'm being honest. <laughs> I'm sure my wife can find some things for me to do, right? But you won't get burnt out if you keep the main thing the main thing. If you keep chasing after his heart, and that's the reason you serve. Because if you, if you serve in order to make me happy, or make Paul happy, or make Josh happy, or make Tim happy, or make Natalie happy, we don't have much for you. There's not much I can bring to you. But if you serve because the Lord is worth it, then you will see health in your life. It's not what you're doing, it's who you're doing it for. If you're doing it for CM Church, that will not sustain you. We need to make sure that we're chasing his presence and not his gifts. Does that make sense? Let's keep reading. Uh, verse three says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey and he took with him two servants and his son Isaac. When he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and we will be back. And there it was, the first time in scripture, the word worship. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think in the distance there was an incredibly handsome, long-haired jean jacket wearing guy in the distance with his guitar just singing away to the Lord. Abraham knew what the purpose of that visit was. Abraham knew why he was there. He was there to sacrifice. 
we see in this passage that worship means obedience. Worship means obedience to the Lord. Worship means sacrifice. Worship means to align oneself with the heart of the Lord, regardless of how we might feel about it. To align oneself with the heart of the Lord. Let's skip ahead to verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called out to uh, him from heaven and said, Stop, Abraham, here I am, he said. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. When we withhold nothing from God, he is faithful and he will withhold nothing from us. When we say we trust you with anything and you prove it, watch him pour out his faithfulness. John 15, 4 it reiterates this. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Our goal in our lives should walk into a continuous state of worship. Should be to walk with God like Adam did in the cool of the day. That is what worship is. Close friendship and communion with the Lord. And that looks different. That looks different for different people. It's a constant state of sacrifice. It's a constant state. It reminds me of the Garden of Gethsemane that said, Jesus said, please, this is not my will, but yours be done. And that's what worship looks like. Is God, I don't have an extra 20 bucks. I do not want to give it to this lady. Please do not make me give it to this lady. But your will be done. Does that make sense? Another scripture where we can see the Lord's heart towards worship is in Genesis 4, 3. And it's the story of Cain and Abel. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord, and Abel also brought a gift. Abel brought the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock, and the Lord accepted Abel and his gifts, but he did not accept Cain and his gifts. Worship has to cost you something. Cain's sacrifice cost him nothing. Abel, he was like, okay, hold on, what can I bring to the Lord? Okay, not that, not that lamb, that, that one's better. It cost him something. Does that make sense? The Hebrew word for worship actually translates to the word work. Work is worship. King David in 2 Samuel says, I won't offer the Lord anything that didn't cost me something. Your worship has to cost you something. Thinking that worship is about you or how it makes you feel is a counterfeit of what it's really intended for. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about getting more people in the seats. If our worship team, who is awesome, gets better and better, it, it, it is not for them. We're, we work on our giftings because God's called us to be good stewards. And if worship means work and our giftings are with music, that is the only reason why we practice. It is not to be the best band in Hot Springs. It is not to get a record deal. It's not so someone gets discovered. The only person we want to be discovered by is the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Worship 
is your opportunity to lay down your preference, to lay down your pride, lay down the way that you think things should be, and say, Lord, I want more of you. I don't want this. I want more of you. I want to worship you more than I want to be comfortable. I want to worship you more than I want my own comfort. Being distracted is a choice. And this comes from a guy that has like severe ADD, okay? I'm gonna say it, and my mom's gonna be like, yes, it is, son. Where was that in high school? (laughs) Being distracted is a choice. Worship isn't about you. Well, what if you don't like the songs or it's too loud? Why are they on stage? We have to be more ready to enter into worship than we are to be distracted. Your worship isn't reliant on anybody else but you. Not the sound man, not the worship leader, not the, the, oh, those slides were too late. Okay, what does that, I'm sorry you were inconvenienced. (laughs) You know, but our worship costs us something to the Lord. Does that make sense? Don't come to worship wanting to be entertained. Come wanting to exalt Jesus. Worship isn't about you. It's about your offering to the Lord. For many of us, the idea of singing out loud in front of a crowd might make us uncomfortable, right? If you liked singing, you'd probably be on the stage, right? I get it. You don't want the person next to you to, you know, have, need an exorcism after you get done singing. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but are you willing to look like a fool if it makes him happy? Are, are you more concerned about how they feel or how he feels? And that's, that's really what it, it boils down to. We have to value him more than we do our comfort zone. And it, it, it reminds me of Zacchaeus, right? Um, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and so I relate to Zacchaeus in that way. <laughs> but Zacchaeus, he was a somebody. He had a lot of money. You know, he was, he was a somebody. He's kind of a bad dude, but he was a somebody. And in order to get a glimpse of Jesus, he had to climb a tree. That is not dignified. If you go into any like drama or, you know, some play that's performing, those dudes are wearing dresses pretty much, right? So like him climbing up in a tree was not the most dignifying act that Zacchaeus has ever done, but it was his most desperate act in order to encounter the Lord. Zacchaeus was desperate for a glimpse. He was desperate. He was willing to look foolish to encounter the Lord. And it reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. And man, that, that is my prayer whenever I, whenever I come out here. Uh, she, so the Lord is passing through a crowded place and somebody touched him with an intention to get a touch from him. And he said, who touched me? And his disciples said, there's a ton of people around. There's a ton of people around. Everybody's touching you. Someone touched me. And that's my heart when I go into worship. Y'all, hey, if y'all ain't in it, y'all ain't in it, but I'm gonna touch him. I'm gonna be the one that wants something. I want an encounter with you. I wanna touch and be different. That's what worship looks like. We see the Lord and we want a touch that leaves us changed. In both stories, we see a desperation to encounter him. First Chronicles 16 says, sing to the Lord all of the earth, not just the musicians, not just the singers. Sing to the Lord all of the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. 
Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. All of the earth, everybody, all of us. When you let the volume or the style or the singer keep you from bringing your sacrifice of praise to the Lord, you are saying that your preference is more important. You're saying that your preference is more important. If things aren't exactly how you prefer them, prefer them, great news. You've already got something found that you can sacrifice, right? Honestly, honestly, if things aren't exactly right, great. Because here's the deal, it's easy to enter in when Brandon is shredding or when Bergen is, you know, doing her monkey house or whatever, what are we calling <laughs> that? Yeah, whatever that was. <laughs> it's easy to enter in whenever everybody else is, but it's hard to press in whenever we got a little high school student that we're giving a shot and we're letting develop. That was me. I, I wasn't ready to be on the stage and thank God for CM, CM that pushed me and gave me opportunity to do that. But we had people that were mature enough to say, the anointing isn't rely, reliant on the talent. It's reliant on the heart. Does that make sense? If things aren't exactly how you prefer them, that's awesome. You already know what you can sacrifice. One of the only things that you can bring to the Lord this side of heaven is, wanting, is worshiping when you don't feel like it. One of the only things that you can bring to the Lord this side of heaven is worship when you don't feel like it because you're gonna be wrapped up in glory whenever we're with him. You will always feel like it. You will, all, you will feel more like it then than you've ever felt in your life. God, worship doesn't uh, center around how you feel. It centers around the one who is worthy. It doesn't center around the situation. It doesn't center around the technical problems. It centers around the one that we're singing about, the subject of our affection. God isn't bound by your experiences. God isn't bound by your experiences. What's happening right now? Well, that was late. That was, that was flat. That was sharp. Okay, Simon Cowell. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, God isn't bound by that. And we have to be more mature where we can press in does that make sense? When you're tempted to be disengaged in worship, think of Abraham's sacrifice, what he was asked to set down, what he was asked to sacrifice. And think of the woman with the alabaster jar, one of my favorite verses. Um, and this, this, this might be the most important example of uh, if you wanna understand what worship looks like. And it's a very familiar verse to a lot of us. And there's a reason for that. Um, this story is recorded in all four of the Gospels. All four of the Gospels. Um, and to give some context, Tim has a great message about uh, around Christmas time that he does where he talks about how we actually are, we date what year it is based on the birth of Jesus, right? It's no, that's no secret. Well, that's only captured in two of the Gospels. This was captured in all four. So what does that mean? It's important. Does that make sense? So Luke 7 is the one that I'll be reading. Verse 36, and it's titled Extravagant Worship. Afterward, a Jewish religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner. Jesus accepted the invitation, and when he went to Simon's home, he took his place at the table. 
in the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster and filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with her tears that fell from her face. And she kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. This section of scripture is titled Extravagant Worship. And I hope at the end of my life, before I I hear well done, good and faithful servant, that God says that was extravagant worship. Does that make sense? This woman came with all she had. She brought something that was dear and valuable to her and she laid it at the feet of Jesus. And some scholars estimate that the alabaster jar cost an entire year's worth of wages. An entire year. And this isn't our kind of wages. She was known to be a prostitute. So the way that she went about getting this money didn't, it cost her her dignity. It cost her her purity. Does that make sense? It cost her everything and she busted it open and she poured it on his feet. When Simon saw uh, what was happening, he thought this man can't be a true prophet. If he really uh, was a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman was touching him. This was an ordeal, okay? This was not just like, sometimes it's easy to go through the Bible and like we just kind of keep the information in our heads and not really like digest it and put it in our hearts, you know what I mean? But Simon was upset, right? This was a huge thing. This, qua- this caused quite a stink, if you will. <laughs> and this is a great example of what happens in worship. One thing that the Holy Spirit does is reveal flesh. The Holy Spirit will reveal what's fleshly, right? If I'm convicted, it's because the Holy Spirit is, mo- is showing me what is not of him, what needs to be pruned away, The Holy Spirit reveals flesh. You can't serve the Holy Spirit and your flesh because they want vastly different things. The Spirit and the flesh do not get along. Simon and the woman had two very different experiences in the same exact situation. They were both at a a house with Jesus as the center of attention. And they both left with very different experiences. Does that make sense? But it was based on how they acted to the Lord in the room. One of them broke everything for him. And the other one was, and I feel like that's just like so, um, you know, when you're in the wilderness, you're thankful for anything that you get. You're thankful for any blessing. It's when you're in the blessed land that you can get a little used to your blessing, right? Right? And, and I feel like that's kind of what's happening here. True worship will always offend a religious spirit. True worship will always offend a religious spirit. We've got to be able to identify when we're thinking like Simon. I'm guilty of it. Sometimes I'm guilty of it, right? There's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a term that I've heard recently called 24-7 songs. And it's when you sing the same seven song, uh, same seven words 24 times, right? And I hear people complain about, what's up with these 24-7 songs? 
okay, I hear you, right? But one of the only songs we know that'll be sung in heaven is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's not about how it makes us feel, it's about how it makes him feel. 24-7 songs. (laughs) High knees, dancing, shouting. I get it, okay? When we're up here doing our high knees, it looks silly. I'm waving my hair. You guys have seen Josh impersonate us. It's really funny. But you've got to know that the Lord feels very loved in those moments. When someone is willing to be undignified for him, he feels very loved in those moments. The worship leader's job is to lead by example, not sacrifice on your behalf. The worship leader's job is to lead by example, not sacrifice on your behalf. The goal of worship is to bring heaven to earth by doing what heaven is doing. We have to emulate what, Devin, what heaven is doing. I think about David dancing before the Lord in 2 Samuel. People mocked him and were disgusted with David, but his response is, yes, and I will look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. Sometimes we worry about moving the eyes of man instead of what moves the heart of God. We worry too much about what moves the eyes of men and not enough about what moves the heart of God. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where there are two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in in their midst. Not the idea of me, right? He is here. He is here. And I feel like a lot of times there are biblical truths that are in our mind, but we have to get them from our brain to our heart, okay? So for example, a while ago, this projector here was flickering, and it was, ter- it was terrible. This screen looked just awful, okay? So Howie and I had to come in here, and we had to fix this lamp, okay? Now, who knows that gravity is a real thing, okay? I feel like I have gravity pretty much locked up in here. And I will say that Howie has it probably in his heart, okay? <laughs> because when we got on a lift and got all the way up here, maybe I shouldn't have said his name, but <laughs> that... That lift was shaken, okay? But it's because he had the law not in his brain, but in his heart. Does that make sense? And I can tell you where he was holding that law because of his reaction to it. So when we hear where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. Do you have that in your brain or do you have that in your heart? Do you have that in your brain? Do you have that in your heart? In Psalms 22, it says he inhabits the praises of his people. If Jesus in the flesh walked in the room, would that change how you worshiped? Would that change how you worshiped? That'll tell you where you're storing that information. Nehemiah 8, 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, lifting their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Look, we get on our knees because we're in the presence of royalty. That's, we, we are in presence of the king of kings and you bow before royalty. And we lift our hands because it puts us in a position of surrender, right? I said that worship should cost us something. We give all that we have. We give all of our expectations. We give all of, our, of what we want to you, Lord. But as I was researching this, and I was like, what is worship? Well, what is worship? That sounds like a, that's a big question, right? I kept seeing the heart of the Father. 
right? As a father, my life and how I think of things look very different than when, when I was just a married single guy. And so I see my kids, they'll bring me a, um, a coloring page or a craft or something that they've done in kids' church. And if I'm being honest, it's, it's bad. <laughs> it's not good. But when they've given it to me, not because it's Father's Day, but because they love me and no one asked them to, I'm framing that thing. The, the Lord isn't moved by your heart. He isn't moved by your ability. He's moved by your love for him. That's what worship's about. He's not moved by your, your talent or your gifting. He's the one that gave it to you. Does that make sense? So it doesn't matter if you can sing or not. He cares that you do. That's all it comes down to. And I, I was thinking about this whenever, you know, we raise our hands to the Lord. Um, I think about when my girls raise their hands to me is when they want me to hold them. And, and what it communicates to me is that I need special one-on-one time with you. Will you pick me up, right? Because we can hang out. They're about this level. And we can hang out. And whenever I know that they lift their hands to me, that, that means that they want me to, they want more. They want a deeper connection in that moment. Does that make sense? So when we lift our hands, we are lifting our hands to Abba. We are lifting our hands to our Father. Does that make sense? The Lord is faithful to come where he is welcome. So we must make him feel welcome with our worship. Does that make sense? You guys get something out of this? All right, cool. Stand up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you for this church, and I thank you for all that we've got um, planned and in store, Father. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that always comes and always, always, always is a treasure to be around and a gift to be in your presence. We love you, Father, and we ask that our lives be worship, perfect and pleasing to your will. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.